0: Hi everybody good to see you I'm glad that you're here uh, if I haven't met you my name is David I serve on the pastoral staff and my prayer for you is that you would find something meaningful today and that's our prayer for everybody and uh, we're uh, working on a series called "Peeled: living a fruitful life and we're gonna be talking about fruit uh, which is really interesting for a guy who doesn't particularly care for a lot of different fruits uh, but you know Bible's the Bible and we got to deal with reality I suppose <laughs> anyway uh, one of the things that we believe as a, as a body of, of Christians is we believe that when God made the world in Genesis chapter 1, he made it to be not just good, but very good. And a lot of you have heard me talk about this before, and, and I want to repeat it because I think it it it's worthy of mentioning over and over again. When God created, when he set out to create the world, he looked at it and he said that it was very good. And some of you know, and you've heard me say this before, but the actual language in Hebrew is almost like Dr. Seuss. As good as good can be, okay? That's what it it says in the text. And yet we all know that the story, then in Genesis chapter 3, a couple of human beings chose against God. They they did something that God asked them not to do and plunged the entire universe into sin and suffering. And we are living in that environment today. However, we have a God who created something good and is committed to his creation and doesn't want to leave it in the mess that it's in. And so in that moment, he began a great mission in order to put the world back to rights. And for whatever amazing reason, he chooses to invite us to be a part of it. And there's different ways of saying this. And and a couple of the ways that we say it around here is that we are part of a rescue mission. In fact, it's part of our purpose. We exist as a church to join God in his rescue mission one disciple at a time. But we're part of the rescue. We get to do that. Another way that we talk about it around here is that we also are not just part of a rescue, that our job is to push back the darkness And yes, individually in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our families and in whatever environment we find ourselves in, as a single light, we are supposed to push back the darkness. And one of the reasons why we gather together, not just on Sundays but also in small groups, is that my light and your light become more light when we're together. Does that make sense? You've seen this happen where you get more and more light, and and we're pushing back the darkness. That's part of the mission that we're on. Another place where we find it is early on in Genesis chapter 1, when God chooses to make humanity. He says, let us make humans in our own image, the image of God. In Latin, it's called the imago Dei. The image of God, we are made in the image of God. And I read um, not too long ago um, a Jewish scholar who made a comment about this. And he said, when we're made in the image of God, we are God's representatives on earth. We are his agents. And, and part of, of our, of our, of our um, uh, role here on earth is not to have certain rights over the earth, But rather, we have responsibilities on earth. And this is a very important kind of thing because what that makes us is if we really think about it, if we're in an environment of sin and suffering, if there is darkness around us, then we are agents of an insurrection. We are here to try to change things, to make it different because we are representatives of what is holy and good and right and noble and beautiful. And yes, I can keep going on, right? And so we see these these images that are happening within within the, the text all over the place. And the other piece of imagery that we see is this one of fruit, Fruit that happens in our lives. In fact, I was thinking about this a little bit, and one of his tirades against the religious leaders, Jesus makes this comment. Here it is, it's in Matthew Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Here's the thing. Fruit that happens in our lives. It seems to me that God wants his people to produce fruit. Some type of productivity. Some type of yield. Some type of harvest. There's something that's going on inside of us. And so I want to put all the cards out on the table right up front. Uh, Sometimes I like to build up to something. No build up. Here's the thing I want you to remember. If you get nothing else out of today... This is the thing I want you to remember the most, okay? Here it is, right here. If God is working in us, he will work through us. Think about this for a moment. If we are producing fruit inside of us, then something is going to happen through us. Why? Because fruit multiplies. Fruit multiplies. I'll tell you a quick story. So um, I planted a garden. Because, uh, as a lot of you know, my girls really like fruit. And so my wife said, I'd like some raspberries. So I planted some raspberry bushes. And I was talking to um, somebody at one of the local garden centers. And she goes, you know what you could do? You could put strawberries as ground cover. And I'm like, oh, I don't eat strawberries, but I know my girls do. And I'm like, wouldn't that be cool if I had raspberries and strawberries all growing in the same spot, right? It was kind of exciting. So um, so an, a very nice couple in my church, um, Kay and Randy Beecham, um, decided to give me some of their strawberry plants. And the reason why is because strawberries grow like crazy, right? They take over. In fact, uh, Kay said, I've got so many, I'd be happy to get rid of some cool because fruit multiplies. Fruit multiplies. That's why the seeds are on the outside of the strawberry. So it can multiply. Are you tracking with me? Does this make sense? I read a, um, a designer a few years ago. He made this stunning observation. He said, nature is not efficient. It's not efficient. What it is, is abundant. And you think about a maple tree, You think about a maple tree and little helicopters. You know little helicopters off of a maple tree? Okay, how many of those things fall? Millions of them, but only a few will actually sprout. So it has to be abundant in order to multiply. Does that make sense? So nature is not efficient. It is abundant and fruit, fruit multiplies. And so too, that's the way the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works the same way. The kingdom of God multiplies. So the things that are happening in us is evidence that things will happen through us. If God is producing some kind of fruit inside of us, fruit multiplies, and eventually that's going to work through you. Are you tracking with me? So there's different imagery that we find in the text to describe what it is that our role um, is here on earth, what we're supposed to, to be as, as Christians. And over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've learned some things about fruit. We've learned that, that it's a symbol of peace and prosperity. When you look in the text, anytime there's certain fruit, um, especially figs and grapes, whenever they're mentioned, they're symbols of something going on collectively uh, within the nation. And we also learned last week that... Uh, fruit takes time it's not immediate and we learn learn that it takes the correct environment to grow that fruit and that it needs the right nutrients in order to grow these are the things that we've we've discovered so here's, here's the big question today the big question for all of us what kind of fruit does God want what kind of fruit does God want and we've been talking a lot about fruit, but we haven't really talked about the kind of fruit, right? Now, I recognize that half the congregation is sitting back with your legs crossed going, well, it's about time he got to the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Yeah, you're quoting Scripture, I know. I understand how that goes. You thought I was going to start with that one in week number one, and here I am in week number three, and we're finally getting to the fruits of the Spirit. Yes, we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit today. Fortunately, a New, New Testament writer named Paul wrote about the fruit of the Spirit. He set up churches throughout what is, uh, at the time was called Asia Minor, what we call Turkey today, and then he wrote letters to these churches. uh, Encouragement, sometimes correction, sometimes they're they're, um, really great letters, and you're like, yay, the church is doing great, and there are other letters where he's doing this. Don't do that. Galatians is one of those early letters that he wrote, and we find a mixture of both those things. and, but he talks about the fruit um, that God is after in our lives. But he, he does it in a really odd way. And he sets, he sets something up for us. And we're going to talk about that. And, and I'm, I'm kind of excited about this because I learned a few things. I don't know how many times I've studied this. I don't know how many times I've preached on the fruit of the Spirit. And every single time I seem to learn something new, which, you know, it's a good thing. And uh, I came across a couple of things that I'm, I'm kind of excited to share about. So let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, let's go into the text and let's read a little bit about it. If you have a Bible, I'm going to be in Galatians 5 the entire time, won't be jumping around. If you don't have a Bible, that's cool, I'm going to have it up on the screen, you can uh, read it there. Uh, So let's go ahead and and jump into Galatians chapter 5. He writes this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So this is kind of an important way of couching this because the entire book is about freedom and slavery. And now he's going to introduce something a little bit different. He is discussing uh, something very specific to the churches in that area. And uh, look where he goes with freedom down in verse 13. Let's make a jump. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is important, very important, because he's talking about freedom, and then he talks about this idea of in, in indulging the flesh. And I think that this is uh, important for us because he's he is saying don't whatever you want to do, but rather serve people humbly in love. But the way he puts us together is he, he begins to set up a conflict, conflict between two things. And you're going to see it here in a moment. It's a big theme in Paul. We find this in, in some of his other letters, but, but here it is. We have this idea of flesh versus spirit. And we'll see this time and time again with Paul. Flesh versus spirit. Now, the term here in uh, Greek for flesh is sarx. Let me hear you say sarx. Yeah, it's just fun to say, right? And and the uh, word for spirit is pneuma. Let me hear you say pneuma. pneuma. Yeah, okay. Now, here's what's really interesting. Pneuma means spirit, but it also means breath. So, not only do you have flesh, but you also have breath, right? He's setting these two words that would go together biologically. He's setting them up against each other, which is just kind of a cool idea to do it. It would be a very arresting to a person that's reading this in Greek. And flesh, for Paul, this idea of sarks, and we see this over and over again, is really this. It's about human nature. It's very self-serving. It's very short-sighted. And on the opposite end, this idea of spirit is a heavenly perspective. It is other-person focused, and it is long-term thinking rather than short-sighted. It's the long view. It's the long game, if you will. And you have these two things, that Paul has set them up, and they are in conflict with one another. And he goes on to explain this. Verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, We're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Wait a minute, somebody else said that. Jesus said that, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And I don't know how many times I've seen that over and over again. I've seen it not just within, inside of churches, but I've seen it inside of friendships. I've seen it inside of families. Can I be honest? I think sometimes we see it inside of our own nation. We begin to bite and devour, and we have to be careful, or we're going to destroy each other. I think there's a warning there for all of us. Flesh and spirit are opposed to each other. And what's more, we know this. Every one of us, we we know this because we experience this on a daily basis at some level depending on your Christian maturity. But you do experience this war between flesh and spirit. let's put it another way what you pay attention to gains traction think about that what you pay attention to gains traction so what are you paying attention to flesh or spirit now we know that attention gives traction and I can prove it to you and here's how we're going to do it how many of you have ever bought a car how many of you when you were looking for a car had a specific model in mind. Yes? Right? a certain car you wanted? And how many of you started to notice that everybody drives that car? <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought I was the only one who liked this. But it's true. What you pay attention to gets traction. You begin to notice things about it that you didn't notice before. And this happens to all of us so too is it with the things of of the flesh and things of the spirit. What you pay attention to gains traction. And this is why it's so important last week that we're careful about the environment that we're in and the type of nutrients that we're taking in because that's the kind of fruit that's going to be produced. Does that make sense? So it's all starting to come together in this idea of fruit. So let's go on to the next The next section here, Mm. the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I really love this. Um, the acts of the flesh are obvious. <laughs> They're obvious. And, and here's the thing. You know what they are too, right? Because you've seen them. Uh, recently, I've, I, I don't know if I'm just noticing it or what, but it just seems like people are honking their horns at each other an awful lot. And it's not just the beep, beep, you know, you know kind of the polite tap of the horn, but it's... <laughs> it's just relax. It's going to be okay. You know, this idea of fits of rage and, you know, we've seen this. Discord, jealousy, it's, it's all over the place. We, they are obvious. We see this so much in our culture, and I think it's a warning sign. It shows us what's in control of the environment around us, the culture around us. And we shouldn't be surprised. Friends, the church will always be in the minority because the church if we're following oh. spirit rather than flesh, is going to be different, but we're going to be in the minority. We just shouldn't be surprised by that. I also want you to notice something in verse 21. It says this, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I want to make a comment about this. I want you to notice that what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that people who live like this will not go to heaven. So, what it says, let's be very clear about that. Rather, I think what we need to understand is that when we talk about this idea of the kingdom of God, at least as I understand Jesus, Jesus was less interested in getting all of us to heaven and more interested in bringing heaven down to earth. You've heard me say that before. The kingdom of God is often the language that both Jesus and the, the other New Testament writers, including Paul, will use to describe this idea. The idea here is that if you live like this, it's not whether you're going to heaven or not. The idea here is you are going to miss out on the kingdom of God right here, right now. You're not going to inherit the goodness that God has for you today if you're living like that. Does that make sense? It's a lot more pragmatic than some, sometimes we make, it, we make it overly spiritual. Um, I'm not saying that you know, this will disqualify you from heaven or not. I don't know. I'm not the judge of that. All I'm saying is that if you live like this, you're missing out on the kingdom of God here. About you, but I don't want to miss out. I just don't. I want to see what the kingdom of God is like right here and right now. It's a simple statement. Acts of the flesh means that we miss out on all the kingdom has for us now here on earth. Important little statement. So let's go on. This is where it gets fun. But the fruit of the Spirit, remember, works of the flesh, acts of the flesh, now fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, another word for patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now let me ask you a question. You read through that list. There's nine you know, fruity flavors here, right? <clears throat> How many of you would like a little more of that in your life? Love, joy, peace. You know, let's be honest. We all do. I, I, I want to I highlight just a couple of these just very briefly. The first one is, I want to talk about love. The Greek word is agape. Let me hear you say agape. Yeah, yeah. agape. There's different kinds of love in the, uh, in the New Testament. Agape is, is the one that describes divine love. Or maybe um, a better way of saying it is sacrificial love. It's not the same thing as, hey, we're friends, high five. That's phileo, brotherly love. And it's not like, hey, how you doing? That's eros, that's lust, okay? Agape love is much more divine. It's much more sacrificial. And when we see the word love in the New Testament, usually as it relates to Jesus, we almost always see it as agape, okay? So this is a kind of love that we were experiencing in our own lives. Another interesting little fact, um, <laughs> this is really cool. Kindness and goodness, I'm going to be honest. The number of times that I've read over this, I've literally just read over those kindness and goodness. Oh, okay, that's fine. Interesting little note. Um, in Greek language, <clears throat> these two words are the same are the different sides of the same coin. Okay, and I didn't know this, um, but I did a little reading on it, and I thought it was fascinating. But so here's the deal: kindness is um, when you are good to someone in a very soft, sort of relational way. It's kindness. We all understand kindness. Goodness, however, is the opposite. Goodness is when something is really difficult, but you do the right thing anyway. Do you see that? So when Paul talks about kindness and goodness, he's covering all the bases. So really, kindness is this relational, kind of wonderful, sort of soft, sort of um, uh, connective sort of term. But goodness, goodness, you do good even though it's difficult. You make the tough choice. And we've all had those circumstances where we've had to make a tough decision and still do the right thing. That's goodness. That's also part of the fruit of the Spirit. Last one is, is gentleness. The word gentleness here, I, pastor put me onto this a few years ago. That really kind of struck me. Gentleness is power under control. It is not a weak term. It is a strong term. It takes a certain extra amount of strength to be gentle. Does that make sense? and in all these cases when we when we read through this list one of the things that comes to my mind is that the fruit of the spirit ain't easy it takes something divine inside of us in order for us to act that way does that make sense and a lot of it is is obviously contrary to human nature because it has a different standard If you read through the list of the Acts of the Flesh, it's very self-serving. But when you read through these, this is still making the right choice for the benefit of the people around us. You see the difference? Very powerful, very difficult to do. So, 5, verse 25, next slide. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's where Paul kind of ends all of this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Um, next week, I'm going to talk about keeping in step with, this, um, with the Spirit, which, by the way, that's called a hook. Oh, Got to come back next week to hear the rest of that. Um, very pragmatic, some, some very specific things that we're going to do. Um, next week, when it comes to living in step with the Spirit. Now, <clears throat> I have my little, I have here a bowl. What's this bowl of? What is that? Fruit. Fruit. That's right. Fruit um, smells good, actually. It's a bowl of fruit. Now, there are actually a different there are different varieties of fruit, right? What do you see in there? Grapes, bananas, apples, yeah, oranges. yeah. There's some citrus in there too, right? Yeah, we have a bowl of fruit, but there are different varieties of fruit. See that? See, in English, the English language, we can use fruit to be plural or singular. Right? I have a bowl of fruit, but I have different kinds of fruits. Are you with me? Greek is a lot more precise. In Greek, when we read about the fruit of the Spirit, it does not say fruit. Fruits, it says fruit, singular. The fruit of the Spirit. And interesting, not many fruits, one fruit. Now, in English, we get it all confused (laughs) because we can use it interchangeably, right? I have a bowl of fruit. But there are different varieties of fruits inside the bowl. But the fruit of the Spirit is one, singular, okay? Okay. Now, this is important because there's a couple of different ways that we can understand. This, by the way, is the fruit of the bean. This is important. (laughs) It's the only fruit that I really care about. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's amazing I get anything done. It really is. Fruit. Okay, so we have a bowl of fruit. And we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is singular. Now, there's a couple ways to understand fruit singular, okay? A couple of different ways to understand it. First, um, and I've heard pastors preach this before, the fruit of the Spirit means that all of those nine characteristics you are supposed to have uh, at all times, all of, the, all of the characteristics, all of those words, all the time, because it's a single fruit. And this makes perfect sense, because if I take, say, for instance, the lime... There's a couple of different ways I can describe the the lime. First of all, it's kind of um, oblong oval shaped. It is green, certainly. It has a lime smell to it. When I cut it open, uh, we can describe what the flesh is. We can describe what the taste is like, right? We can do all that. We can describe this. So when we read about those nine characteristics, it may be one single fruit, and those are just different characteristics of that one fruit. There's a certain amount of logic to that, but here's my question. So when you look at the fruit in your own life, how are you doing with all nine of those? Ow. That one's really a difficult, um, it seems kind of rigid to me. And I'm not saying it's wrong, because I think there's a certain amount of logic to it, but there's, there's also another way to kind of think about this. I think it's examples of the fruit in a Christian's life when walking with the Spirit. This is how it manifests itself, Okay. So, let me follow uh, an uh, early church father by the name of Augustine. Here's what Augustine said. The apostle had no intention of teaching us how many, either works of the flesh or fruits of the spirit, there are, but to show how the former should be avoided and the latter sought after. Does that make sense? The point is not whether or not, do I have all of them? because I can check them off my list, right? Well, I got them all. That's not the point. Rather, the point is, here's what you're supposed to be seeking after, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, right? Those are the kinds of things that we need to be after rather than all these self-serving things that eventually lead us to death. Are you with me? So, Augustine's commentary on Galatians is helpful here. Early church father, key insight and i'm not saying that either one of those is more right than the other but this is the one that makes the most sense to me because it seems to be a little more pragmatic so we go back to what jesus said in matthew chapter 12 where we where we started make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit so here's my question today you know this was coming What kind of tree are you? What's your fruit say about you? That's a tough one. Maybe today, maybe today you are taking a look at some of the fruit that you're producing in your life. um, And you're not seeing as much as you'd really like. In fact, maybe... um, the acts of the, the flesh are a little more apparent. It happens. Or maybe, um, maybe you sense that the harvest of fruit is lower than at what it used to be. Hmm. Maybe the fruit isn't nearly as abundant as it once was. That happens, too. But there's some good news there's always good news and it's the same good news as that we said last week God is a patient gardener which I'm very thankful for we'll talk about walking in step with the spirit next week of course but in the meantime regardless of where you are I'm just going to encourage you to say a very simple prayer Goes like this. God, please make me fruitful. Now, before you get all excited about that one, I'm going to warn you that's a dangerous prayer. Because God wants to answer that prayer. And there are some things that uh, you may have to deal with in your life some of those acts of the flesh, some of the sarks before you're going to get the fruit of the Spirit. It's a dangerous prayer, but is it worth it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's worth it. Because these are the characteristics of the kingdom of God. And if we want to see the kingdom here on earth, if we want to see the kingdom among ourselves, then we want to see this kind of fruit. And we want to avoid one and seek after the other.